Welcome to the Rudo Love Podcast, a mini-series of anecdotes and interviews tailored for the inquisitive souls of today. After last week's episode where I read from Alice in Wonderland, I feel that it's only too appropriate to move into sharing the room with a real live wonder and truly curious woman. So for today's ooh ooh interview, where I ask juicy questions to people that move me, I've asked literal magical crafter, nutritionist and herbalist, Rachel Dawson to record at my home in Tamaki Makoto. Rachel is the founder of two of my favorite small businesses, Misty Day Plant Potions and Etheria. In this episode, I want to celebrate the products you're so famous for and your passions that overlap with my own and lessons you hold dear about being a guide to people consuming more consciously and thinking about their health with the content that you create. On top of those already juicy topics about herbs, tonics, and tinctures, I'd love to chat with you about dreams and magic. Sound good? Sounds amazing. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> oh, there's so much about your story that I love and that moves me. And I wanted to hearken back to your early days as a child because from my understanding, you've always had a deep relationship with plants from your upbringing. Yeah. I mean, my mom has always been a really keen gardener. Um, you know, I think one of the stories she likes to trot out about me is having me in the garden with her when she when I was just a baby and turning around and seeing me with half a worm hanging out of my mouth. <laughs> so always clearly love dirt, yes. um, which I still love and dirt composting. Baby. But yeah, my mum has been, always been a keen gardener and then as I kind of got older, she was really into natural therapies. So it was really just a a kind of like a flow on from there. But you know, I came to gardening kind of later in life because I was always too busy doing things and mm. I lacked patience. Mm. So I feel like in coming into my, shall I say, twilight years. <laughs> oh I don't my know. God. <laughs> you don't look a day over 20, darling. Oh, my crone years. Um, that gardening and what my mother gave to me, um, that passion for gardening is really coming to the fore. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean... How wonderful to be having a relationship with your garden. Oh, it's never too late. It's just the best thing ever. Like I I can't even describe to you how magical it is for me. Like I almost feel like crying. It's just changed me in mm. some really, really deep ways. Yes. I was always just so busy and rushing and gardening and having a beautiful garden has shown me patience and mm. that's just such a virtue and that's having some flow on into the rest of my life as well. Oh my gosh. It is such a reward for the patient soul. Oh, totally. I mean, I used to go to the garden centre. I remember years ago going to the garden centre and seeing a plant and it said, oh, May doesn't fruit for two years. And I'd be like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait two years. And now I'm, I've got plants that I can't harvest for five years. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, another three years to go. That's fine. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think the garden teaches you lots of other things as well. Yeah. So I think... I'm really lucky that my mum and my mum still loves gardening and that she gave me those skills as well. And now we can chat about that. And that's deepened our relationship together as oh, well. Oh, beautiful. So we've got something to chat about. And it's funny because 
I see plants that she grows mm-hmm. and I know the name of them because obviously yep. she's been talking about them my whole life, you know. Yep. Yeah. So I think I'm actually more of a gardener than I think I am. <laughs> yep. Do you do you have a favorite plant that you grow? Yeah, I like the easy ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just you know, for any kind of fledgling herb gardener, can't really go past lemon balm. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's just it's so, so easy. easy. It's so easy. Yes. Um, but And literally the definition of cheer. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, you just like squeeze it between your fingers and you suddenly, you know, thinking you're drinking a mojito, you know, mm-hmm. or something. You know, it's got that vibe to it, that mm. relaxation vibe. Not that I drink alcohol, but you, you get my vibe. Yeah. Um, you have a mojito-esque recipe yeah. that I do yeah. with your um, mellow out. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. But I think my favourite plants now are the roots. Mm. So like echinacea, ashwagandha, valerian I grow in my garden and I just love the surprise of it. Right. So you don't know what you're going to get. You're like, Hidden. okay, I've been growing this for like three years. <gasps> and then you start digging it up and you're like, whoa, you know, it's amazing. Are they real Jurassic underneath? Yeah, some of them are, but you just Ooh. don't know what you're going to get. So I just love that surprise aspect Ooh. to gardening. Ooh. Something yeah. to look forward to for me because I don't actually grow anything that I'm harvesting for the roots. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a bit sad in some ways though because you've cared for something on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You've watered it. I talk to my plants. I go out there and visit them every single day and then it's time for them to go. It's almost like a death. Yeah. But because I'm turning them into something else that brings something to other people, it kind of feels... Like it's not really a death, it's like a a rebirth. Absolutely. Yeah. In my tummy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that story. I'm now going to think of like baby Rachel with a little worm wiggling out. I know. (laughs) It's so gross. And I've got like a, I totally cannot handle anything to do with worms. Squirmy. Squirmy, maggoty. Spiders I'm totally fine with. Love a good spider. Love spiders. Can't touch a worm. No. Oh my god, I we're such kindred spirits. I went, uh, uh, uh. and I know that they're really they're really good for the soil, but Absolutely. I have to wear gloves in case I accidentally touch a worm. Yeah, my deepest fear is to squish and crush something. So, like, if a skink, if a little oh. little lizard comes into my room or my, into my house, I'm I'm like, someone else needs to get you out because if I crush you, I will not be okay. Oh, I love lizards. I like holding the like the big sturdy ones, like yeah. the bearded dragons and the I used to be obsessed with firebelly newts and I used to have tree frogs. Oh. But the the little skinks are so little. I know they are. I'm afraid I'm going to squish them. I just love them though. They are I think so they're my spirit cute. animal. Really? Are, are they an animal? No, they're not. Uh, yes. Yeah. <gasps> okay. Mm. Anywho. Well, don't do you yeah, I was going to ask you about animal protein, um, but you, I'm no, assuming just, you don't just my eat little... like crickets or... Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> right, right. Tell me about how you get your inspiration and ideas when you're making your potions and your tinctures. I think for me, like I really love cooking mm. as well. So, and I never use a recipe or anything. I just kind of inherently know what goes together. Ooh. And I've always kind of been good at that I've always I hold in my head like you know so 
Moroccan food has got these kind of tastes to it and I'm pretty good at kind of always, yeah, making things out of nothing. Mm -hmm. But I think as far as inspiration goes, I kind of tend to be quite systematic about it actually. Like I have an idea and then I will go through and I'll be like, well, what function do I want this to have? And then so I'll have the the main function and I'll think about herbs that might fit into that Mm -hmm. function and then I'll think about herbs that may support that function. So I'll put other herbs in it which which are like support herbs. So that's how you kind of put a a formula together. Just like a recipe. It's just a recipe. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually doing a like a workshop. Oh yeah. In June. And I'm gonna show people how to make their own like DIY their own personalized um, potion. <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah. So that'd be pretty cool. Is this for people in Tamaki Makoto? It is. is. Okay. It is. Yeah. You hear that, Auckland? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably mostly mostly Westies because it's going to be in um, Tiatatu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tickets still available? I actually haven't put them up yet, so we'll be in the next couple of weeks or so. Okay, I'll yeah. make sure so to you leave that. It. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, you have to have some kind of inspiration. My inspiration always comes in the shower. And then, yeah, I just systemat- systematically do it from there, from the is initial that a, idea. Is that a water thing? Totally. Okay. Totally. I, I Do you have all your best ideas in the shower? Accurate. Yeah. Yeah, or baths. Yeah. It's yeah. Just crazy. It definitely solidifies ideas for me. Yeah, I don't know why or how, but it does. I have some theories. Yeah, it it makes sense because water is the personification of inspiration and creativity. Yeah. Is the literal transmitter. Yeah. Yeah. It must be because I literally have all my good, all, all of my ideas come to me in the shower. And I, I was just thinking could it be like the time of day that you're the most active? Be, like a, if it's like a morning shower, but I think it's just the water. I think it's just the water. And I think it's maybe taking mm. myself away and it's time that I'm by myself and there's no distractions. The dog's not following me around wanting me to throw his toy, you know. Yeah, I think it's maybe no distractions as well. <laughs> the dog. Yeah. Tell us about your pup. Oh, he's so sweet. Um, his name's Basil. Oh, that's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter actually named him and I was like, okay, that's fine because, you know, it's kind of a herbie thing Indeed. as well. Indeed. And he trampled all my basil as well. So, oh. yeah, he's gorgeous. And, you know, I think things are sent to teach you as well and he's teaching me more, even more patience as well because he's quite headstrong. <laughs> <laughs> but he's gorgeous, yeah. What kind of breed is he? Uh, he's a cavoodle. Stop it. I know. He's a fancy designer dog. <laughs> <laughs> Was this like a special gift for you, this, um, this purchase, this new family member? Kind of. It was just something that we've been wanting to do for quite a while because my husband and I married later in life and we never had any children together. And so my reasoning was, well, we can get a dog then. Oh. Yeah. And he moans about it being too expensive, but I'm kind of like, well, a child would have been way more expensive. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. Not like you're sending him to college I or freaking well, private school. Well, he does go to training and stuff like that, but you know. 
<laughs> Some form of school. Yeah. Still, it's cheaper. Yeah, it's totally I'm cheaper. sure of this. <laughs> oh, I want a dog so bad. Oh, he's just so precious. And he gets me out and about way more than I would. Right. Yeah, walks and stuff, which yes. is really great, you know. There's something very special about animals. Mm-hmm. That for me, like, if I think about plants and animals, the level of affinity that I have for them is just like a another human being, some someone who I hold very dear that I can speak to. But the fact that they're nonverbal means that there's like there's no complication. Yeah. That words can actually you know, words get us into trouble sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's also interpretation, like being able to interpret nonverbal cues, like from animals, but also from plants as well. And if you're quiet enough, and now I sound really kooky. Nope. But if you're mentally quiet enough, yes. I can I know what my dog wants and I know what plants want as well. Mm-hmm. You know? We're um, way more psychic as a species than we give ourselves credit oh, for. We totally are. Yeah. You know, and people close themselves off to that, but herbs especially will tell you what they are for. Yeah. You know, there's a whole thing about the doctrine of signatures. Do you know about that? No, but is that like the concept that like a walnut looks like a brain? It is. Okay, cool. It is. Yes. I mean, there's that, but then there's also like sitting with a herb. So, you you know, you can have an idea from the doctrine of signatures, which I really like that kind of idea. But if you actually taste a herb and sit with it, it will tell you, or you've grown it for a long time, it will tell you what it's for. Wow. Mugwort for for instance, has uh, it just grows so prolifically in my garden and I kind of wish I hadn't planted it at all because it's got its own like little garden now. <laughs> it's a grandmother. Mm. It's a protector and it's a grandmother. You know, it's got that very ancient enveloping grandmotherly spirit to it. And it's nonverbal, of course, but you know, you know, when you taste it and grow it and are with it, mm-hmm. that it has that protective element to it. I have that with Damiana. Oh, I love Damiana. Instant ecstasy. Oh, yeah. The minute me and her made friends. I love it. (laughs) It's funny because Damiana is the old school herb shop smell. Oh. It really is. Like, because I'm around it quite a lot. And when... Whenever I smell it, I'm like, it brings me back to being 20, living in Melbourne and going to this place called Happy High Herbs all the time. Oh my God, what a name. I know, and it just smelled like Damiana, you know. It was all legal stuff, but they used to sell Damiana in little bags and you could smoke it and stuff and it just brings me back. I love that. It's one of my favourite herbs. Mm. It's just a shame we can't grow it here. I have quite a lot of herbalist friends and anytime I like talk about Damiana or like bring like a sachet of something to them. And I'm like, it's got Damiana. And they're always like, Damiana. (laughs) I just love it. I love it. It's in, I think it's in two of my blends. I just love it. It's one of my faves. Yeah, I get that. No, it was like an immediate, no one needed to read the label for me on what Damiana was for. Yeah. Mugwort. Yeah. I'll have to think about that. Clearly I need a lot of practice. Yeah, I think I think you have to grow it, really. You know, it has a it just speaks to me. It really does. I love that. Cool. So you get your ideas from the shower. <laughs> That's where that Listen was. Listen to say toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, you know, water. Get your get your inspirational sources. Totally. To- I can validate that as a thing. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had a bath, but I don't. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I know. Oh, one I feel day. for you. One day. Well, you could always have an outdoor tub. Yeah, I've actually taken up my whole deck and oh. turned it into a garden. That's more important. Yeah. For, for your livelihood. Yeah. <laughs> my friends come around to my house and they're like, what's going on with the deck there? You've kind of like cut out part of the deck and put garden in there. I was like, yeah, I just needed more space, you know. Fair enough. Yeah. Speaking of more space, how's your sister company, Etheria, going? <laughs> well, you know, starting anything from scratch is quite... Well, it always takes a little bit longer to kind of get rolling. Mm. But I think it's going pretty well. It just takes a lot of time and effort because a lot of the herbs that I use I've grown and then you have to process them and then you have to, you know, you macerate them for a month and then you process them by squishing them out basically. Yes. And then you bottle them and then I blend them after that. So it's pretty, it takes a lot of work and yeah, so it's taking away a little bit from Misty Day and I really have to focus more on Misty Day because it's the bigger business for me. Mm -hmm. But Etheria is definitely my baby. Mm. Is it hard having two two babies? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) It, I, th- I feel like Misty Day is a growing up now and can uh-huh. kind of stand on its own two feet. Oh, yeah. It's kind of got its own momentum, but Etheria is getting there. And I've got new seasonal stuff coming out soon, which is amazing. And that's all from my garden. Cool. I know. It's so – I just can't even believe that – I grew some stuff from a seed and then I looked after it and then I've made it into stuff and now I'm going to be able to sell it to people and it's going to make a difference in their lives. It's looking after us. Yeah. 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 It's really magical. I had a deeply moving experience with Flower Child. Oh. Like just knowing, you know, I mean, I think intentionally ingesting anything is quite powerful, quite potent, but knowing that it was had an affinity towards like heart healing, inner child work, and just like easing of heart pain yeah, was exactly what I needed. It was like one of those things where like life's timing really lined up and I was like at my like most achiest and then flower child came out and it was like a reprieve from all pain. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. It's amazing. I <sighs> I, I definitely have a real affinity for those flower for flowers as well. And I think that comes back full circle to my mum, like always yes. growing flowers, always having cut flowers. Yes. And so many of those flowers have a really uplifting kind of feel to them because mm-hmm. the plant's kind of putting all its energy into pushing out those flowers in order to propagate itself. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, but the rose and the hawthorn, they have really have such an affinity. And another herb in there is called linden, lime flowers. And I had a particularly traumatic pregnancy. Mm. Uh, and I leaned very heavily on linden throughout the whole pregnancy. And so now, and it saved me. It really did. Wow. It saved me mentally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I smell that now, I kind of feel like it smells like hope. Yes. You know, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's why I put that in there because it's just such a hopeful herb for me. And my life completely turned around and is 
more magical today than it ever could have than I ever could have thought it would be. So yeah, that's a great herb. It's Beautiful. a great herb. And this is sort of the for me, my mind makes a connection between what you just said around the associative power being an anchor, which is like cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. It's what it's all about is mm. that immediate shift. Yeah. Because you've anchored in something. Yeah. Like that's power. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go through 10 years of talk therapy to get you through the thing that you went through and then this scent or this connection with yeah. the olfactory immediately transforms you. It does. It really does. I mean, not to shit on talk therapy because I love me some talk therapy. Oh, yeah. And I'm a huge fan of CBT. Um, but uh, definitely the scent of things. I mean, because you know, rose and all of those things, they just bring me back to like rose and lavender in particular. They oh, yes. bring me back to my grandparents and oh. being at their house and having those little potpourri yes. things in the drawers. The poses. I know. <laughs> and, that, and because of that association, I just feel like so loved and enveloped from those oh. herbs as well. That's beautiful. Yeah. So... I love that. <laughs> I could talk about that for days. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that Etheria is growing and you have so much joy and that there's things coming out that are seasonal because that's such a beautiful part of this industry that you're in is that it, it can be slow. It yeah. can be relating to what is available now. It's not like churning something out 24-7. This the the culture of 24-7 has to die. Yeah. We have to kill this. Like, there is time for rest. There is time for sleep. Like, we have to be able to be told no. Oh. This isn't available for you right now. Exactly. And I think things become available when you need them as Ooh, well. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> but people want to know the origin of things. And if I can say, hold my hand on my heart, I grew this from a seed. And it's only going to be here for as long as it's here. And then there'll be something else, you know. Yes. Yeah, I think that is just, yeah, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. Not only to have one uber successful business, but now you have this second one. I am so freaking excited to watch what happens next for you. No, You've got a fan from life Aww, with me. thanks. Gushy, 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 gushy. <laughs> so the... The other thing that I wanted to to share with you and get your sense on was when I was little, I read this book or was read to me over and over and over again, Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters. It's an African Cinderella story. And in it, the most beautiful of daughters sang to her garden and she would sing to the plants. And that's sort of like the foreshadowing of the rest of her enchantment story. Yeah. What, how does that land oh, for you? I love that. I mean, from a scientific perspective, mm-hmm. I mean, plants are shown to thrive when they've been around, when they're talked to or they have classical music played to them. Ooh. So there is studies now, don't like, don't quote me, but there are studies suggesting that. So, and, and just the beauty of it as well and the relationship building, you know, it's not just about watering a plant. It's, yeah. it's a part, you know, if you're growing herbs to be able to, you know, make them into things or sell them and things like that, 
the energy that you put into them has to go somewhere. Mm. You know, energy, it's like an exchange. Mm -hmm. So if you put all your energy into that plant, that plant is going to have those energetic qualities to pass on to others. You know, so yes. I, I truly believe that singing and I'm not really a singer. I'm more of a chatter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I definitely talk to my plants and mm-hmm. I think that's just such a beautiful story. You know, it sounds lovely. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, in the show notes, I will also link to anyone who wants to either buy that book or just listen to it being read to you on YouTube. Oh, lovely. <laughs> but the illustrations, yeah. they're like paintings. Yeah. It's Oh, amazing. Oh, I've got a book recommendation, actually. Ooh, do do. I'm reading a book at the moment. It's called Around the World in 80 Plants. For all the people that are into, you know, the history of plants. Yes. Very interesting. I just read about bananas. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And it's really, really interesting. They go around different countries and they talk about the plants that have been, you know, integral to their development and things like that. It's amazing. Really great. And beautifully illustrated. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, we'll also be putting the show notes yes. for that as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whoa, that sounds amazing. Because there, there's a integral relationship between the way that humans evolve and the way that plants evolve. Oh, totally. And who is in control of who? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like, you know, there's so many plants like bananas that they can't reproduce by themselves, you know. But over the past 4,000 years, there's been an integral relationship between people and bananas because if we weren't there they would no longer be there either, you That's know. bananas. But, yeah, it is bananas. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there's so many plants in this book Incredible. that show that, you know, very intimate relationship between the plant world and ours. We were just exchanging tattoo yeah. <laughs> observations and we I both know. have quite a few plants. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why? Why did you get some plants on your skin? Well, I got a mushroom. Because it kind of signifies misty day. Ah, yes. Yeah. And on the other arm, I got a rose because that signifies etheria. (sighs) So, I mean, I I am pretty wound up in my business. My business is me. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it would be nice to personify those two parts of myself on my body. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you say that you like to personify your business because... Not gonna lie, known you for quite a while. Um, like, you know, at markets, obviously been buying your products, but like, <laughs> not actually knowing your real name for a good chunk <laughs> of that time, and just calling you Misty Day. Yeah, first couple of years, I gotta say, <laughs> everyone does that. Yeah, you're just Misty Day. Yeah, I quite like it because you know what Misty Day is, right? No. Oh, uh, so um, Mist- I might have known, but it's gone from my head right now. Oh, uh, so. I was really struggling to think of what I would call my products way back in the day. And I love horror. I'm terrible like that. I love like thrillers and horrors and not like really gross horrors, but um, American Horror Story. Oh. Yeah. And there was a witch one called Salem and there was a witch on it, on that series and her name was Misty Day and she was a swamp witch (gasps) and she like healed people with swamp plants and I was like "Mm, could I call it that yeah I guess I could so yeah I've never watched American Horror Story oh it's so good is it yeah if you like that kind of thing like I just love I'm borderline like sometimes psychological and violent stuff makes me like more cray cray oh but other times I'm like all for it like I love Witcher oh yeah I love spooky stuff, spooky mm-hmm. rather than horror-y. 
Have you seen Last Night in Soho? No. Oh. Is it spooky? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, Anna Taylor, oh, Anna, Sonia, Sonia, Anna, Anna Taylor, Son- oh, what is her name? She was in <laughs> Queen's Gambit, oh, yes, Picky yes, Blinders. Yes, yes. She's in it. Oh. And so I had to watch it because of that, even yeah. though I knew it was a horror. Is it horror, horror, or is it spook, just spooky? Okay, I'm I'm just push through I'm it. in. I'm in. Don't watch it at night. Oh, I love being scared. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny like there's, you know, some people just abs- there's no middle ground really is there. There's people who just hate being scared and then there's people that thrive on it. And I love it. Like I walk in the graveyard every morning. Sometimes I get a little bit scared, <laughs> but it makes it fun, you know. I used to live like right behind a, a really old cemetery, the Puriri. Um, oh, yeah. I know that one. Puriri. Yep. And Puririwa. No. Oh, now I'm having a little bit of a blank In moment. Meadowbank. Yes. Yeah. And I lived right behind it and it was like right when my son was born. And so like to get him to sleep, I just walk through yeah. the graveyard. I don't think of it as a graveyard anymore because it's I walk not. there all the time and I honestly feel like it's the most life-affirming thing I do every day because it makes me realise you're here for a good time, not a long time. Yes. Know? And they're usually like kind of bird sanctuaries as well. Yeah, totally There's a are. lot of life in those places. Yeah. yeah, they totally are. That's cool. Yeah. I love me a good graveyard. Although ghost stories really get under my skin. Yeah. Me too. Severely get under my skin. I love it. I'll, t- I'll think about it for days and I'll be just a little bit scared all the time. I don't know. I just. <laughs> but you're jamming on it. You I like love it. I love it. I think it's just a dopamine hit to be fair. Oh, yeah. Chasing the dopamine. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, you have this incredibly beautiful Instagram account. Like the aesthetics are so beautiful Mm. and the content is great you know you've it's not just images you've got good stories you've got good messages I was wondering how that like how do you enjoy engaging with your people online is that like a fun thing for you totally is is. yeah like what do you um, love about it well I'm actually I'm like an extroverted introvert Mm -hmm. like I love talking and stuff, but I don't really like going out that much. <laughs> um, so I really like the whole kind of social media interaction. Yes. Because it's on my own time as well, which I kind of like about it. I don't have to respond to things immediately. I can think on things. I can come back to people. But I do like the energy exchange of it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't never get people saying negative things or being. Well, that's awesome. Maybe once or twice. Yeah, I love I love being able to talk with my people. I know that sounds so lame. But no, I said it. Yeah, yeah, it I re- is. It is the people. Yeah, I I really like it, and and also it's that positive affirmation of I'm doing a good thing here. You know. Yes, you are. Yeah, I try. <laughs> I really try, and I try to be fair, and I try to, you know, be like. <laughs> like get things out really quickly so people don't get disappointed and try really hard for that kind of thing. So Oh, gosh. Yeah. we got tons of patience for you. Thank you. <laughs> I, it's always cute when I see you saying, like, the courier didn't come today. I know. <laughs> and I'm like, it's okay. Honey. I know. It's like my worst nightmare when the courier doesn't come because I'm just <laughs> one of those kind of efficient kind of people, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do need you, to chill out. Do you have much shop help? 
No. Oh, honey. Yeah. So I pretty much do everything by myself. I have some help for um, production. Mm. But aside from that, I pretty much do everything. Wow. Yeah. I have a lovely photographer who helps me with some of my website stuff. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes post some of those pictures. They're beautiful. Yeah, she's amazing. Her name's Ros McIntosh. She's, like, amazing. She's down in Tauranga. There's something rich and dark yeah. she's almost like her photography makes me feel like kind of dark soil yeah. like she's got this oh she's so good she always i i mean maybe i write a pretty pedantic brief but <laughs> she definitely always picks up what i'm putting down i feel like as, i mean as a creative i can tell you that a lot of parameters is quite good for us yeah you get more creative the more restrictions the more yeah narrow the parameter the more creativity comes out. Oh, totally. So I think those kinds of briefs are quite good. When I've gotten people saying, I would like a painting by you, I'm like, uh, really? Nothing, where do I start? Nothing else. Mm. You got nothing else for me. Yeah. And it's just, and then it becomes really, really hard for me to tap into the thing that inspired me to be a creative in the first place. You're totally right. And she always agrees with that as well. She's always like, oh, you're, Briefs are great because you give me lots of information and I can go forth and conquer, you know. I had my baby daddy and best friend on. He was tuning in from New York and I was he's in film and he was talking about how in when he does lighting, it's this wonderful bridge between truly understanding what the director and the director of photography want. A little bit of his own ideas, but like egos at the way back. Oh yeah, of of the of the carousel. Like he he is there to do as much for the the mission as possible, and that kind of dance between like I've got a good idea, but I'm like just translating your vision here. Yeah, and it's okay if that's my idea isn't the thing that you wanted. Oh, totally. You have to kick your ego to the side if you're in that kind of profession for sure. Yeah, yeah, because it's not about that. It's about just having the best outcome for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you struggle with the pressure of like putting on things on Instagram and the create oh, yeah. the create? Oh yeah. Definitely. I do, I'm definitely experiencing that. It's another job. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see why people do outsource it, but from my perspective in previous roles that I've had, I find that nobody knows your brand as well as you do. Yeah. So it's difficult to get somebody else to do it. Yeah, especially if you're a bit of a control freak or, you know. It's your baby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I do find it challenging, especially across two brands. So you have a separate account for Ethereum? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I wasn't sure about splitting out the brands, but, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Okay. Yeah, because then they have their own personalities. Yeah, it's like a window. Yeah. They need need two different. Yeah. That makes sense to me too. Mm. There's like a neat compartmentalization of that. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, this is going to be a deeply personal question, so feel free to keep it as, you know, like you don't have to tell me all the things, but I am curious about your relationship with dreams. Oh, yes. Tell me about some of the practices that work really well for you. Like, yeah, you don't have to tell me the thematics. I get that that is like psychologically your territory. (laughs) 
What uh, can you share about dream work? I, I've been really into dreaming since I was probably in my early 20s. Cool. Which was quite a long time ago. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> but I remember watching the movie Waking Life. Have you seen <gasps> that? That is a crucial movie for Yeah, me. it is. Crucial. It is. And I remember watching, so I had had a dream and in my dream, and I'd been having a recurrent dream for years. And in this dream, I wake up and it's dark and I go to try and turn on the light and I can't turn it on. And there are like Dalek type things outside. I'm really showing my age now. The Dalek is Doctor From Who. From Doctor Who. Okay, yep. yeah. And they're um, like trying to get me or something. But anyway, the, the crucial thing in this is that um, I couldn't turn on the light. And then I watched Waking Life and they said, the one thing that you can't do in your dreams is change the lighting. And so if you want to start to lucid dream to control your own dreams then you need to walk around in your waking life and, you know, flick the light switch on and off. So you're like, okay, yep, I'm awake. And then when you're in your dream state, you try and do the same thing and you can't do it. You know you're, you know you're asleep, you know you're dreaming, and from that point onwards, you can lucid dream. Mm-hmm. Have I lucid dreamed properly? I think I've had, yes, in some ways, I have quite a lot of flying dreams Mm. and I feel like I can change direction. But yeah, I love taking herbs specifically for dreaming, blue lotus, mugwort. I have a blend for that. Yes, you Um, do. Shadavari, which is supposed to be helpful for flying dreams. Ah. Yeah. Valerian as well, which is from my garden. But yeah, I definitely think that a lot of my dreams are... Prophetic. Yes. Uh, I always write down my dreams after I wake up. So, yeah, I think that's that's the key. That's the key. That's the key to having some understanding. Yeah. I mean, lately I haven't been, I haven't been remembering them as well, but I haven't been taking my dream weather lately. Mm. But I definitely do when I take it. And I've got some oil coming out too soon to go alongside that. Nice. But yeah, lucid dreaming is, is like, the one thing that I want to accomplish in my life, <laughs> you know, is be able to control my dreams fully. Yes. Yeah. There's some really inf- interesting information out there as well about people who, I think there was a guy who it, within his dream he had to do tasks. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this guy? Mm-mm. And uh, it's kind of convoluted, but he basically had to do tasks within his dream and he was able to do those and they were like looking at him in a brain scan and everything and I was like, whoa, I want to be able to do that. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean there's no limits. No. And you can do whatever you want. Yes. Even creepy stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I do creepy stuff, but you know. Have you ever worked with your dreams in like a – like have you ever heard of interactive drawing therapy? No. It's a type of therapeutic practice. Yeah. And it often starts with a dream or like a a memory, but often a dream. And the therapist has you continue on. It blew my mind when I first did it because I told the therapist the dream that I was having or had had. And she said, what happens next? And I was like, no, that's the end of the dream. She's like, no, let's draw it out. It's like fan fiction. So you talk it out and you draw it out. And then it's, it's deeply guided, so I can't really explain what happened because there's just things, you know, 
going on behind the scenes that I can't appreciate. I was just a participant. Mm. But she guided me through an intensely beautiful therapeutic practice that I designed for myself because the dream, the content started with me. I drew my own content. I drew the next step and it resolved. Wow. It was incredible. And you really walk away from that feeling like you've just been your own superhero. Yeah. It was, yeah, that was a really incredible thing to do. Like the concept of like dreams being the static thing that it's done. Like you've dreamt it, however it affects you, it's the, the memory of the dream that affects you. But the fact that you could continue on, and that's where I think the link between lucid dreaming is as well, is that, okay, well, here's the bound between what we understand as rules. Yeah. And we go beyond it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of the good, you know, like they say the sea is one of the great unknowns, mm-hmm. you know, like we're going into space and stuff and we don't even know what's in our oceans. No idea. And I think the subconscious is, is one of those as well. Yes, yes. Because I used to have a, I've had lots of recurrent dreams. I've had another one and no one likes to hear about other people's dreams, but I had this another one. part I was like, does she want to talk about Oh, I had this uh, recurrent dream for years and years where I had killed someone <gasps> in my dream, but I didn't see it or do it in the dream. Oh, you just knew that I you knew, had done it. And I knew I was going to get caught and I'd Ooh. hidden a body and Ooh. I knew I was going to get caught. And just that sense of foreboding. Yeah. And I think it was really just a, you know, my subconscious grappling with my waking life's anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, that turning it into something more substantial, I don't know, helping me maybe to work through it, but I don't have it anymore, which is maybe good. Maybe wow. that anxiety is left. But apparently that kind of anxious going to be caught dream is quite common. Yeah, I was in other pursued people. a lot in my dreams. Yeah. It's funny because when other people tell me, their dreams, I can say, oh, well, that's because this is what this means. Straight up. But my own, I can't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the ideal situation, we'd have dream shamans, we'd have medicine men and women and and spirits, and it would just be, you know, a reciprocal, like you said, exchange. And people would be there and you could turn to that extra person. For me, it was always my dad. Yeah. He would, like, translate my dreams in the morning. Yeah, I think there's that thing now where if you start talking to people about their dreams and you, they say, was I in it? And you're like, no. And they're like, well, I don't care then. <laughs> oh, rude. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for going there with me on a recording. Yeah, yeah. That's very, fine. Very generous of you. <laughs> so there's this thing that I do for all of my OO interview guests where I ask a couple of questions. Oh, I'm nervous now. You cannot think too hard about it. Just okay. Answer. Right. And this is this first one is going to be hilarious considering yeah. what we've talked about. But I swear this is just what I ask everyone. Yeah. Given the option to fly into outer space and visit extraterrestrial realms or the gift of flight here on Earth, which would you choose? Oh, that's really tricky. Sorry. I think I'm a little bit scared of extraterrestrials. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the, if our kind of idea of them is is 
what they really are going to be like. So maybe I'd choose just flying here on Earth. Yes. Yeah, I just heard this thing the other day about Stephen Hawking's saying that you should not, that NASA should not... Not be advertising yeah. our location. Yeah, did you hear that too? We, it's not going to look... If, given what we do yeah. to our own beings here, we're probably going to get the same yeah. dose of yeah. cruelty and horrific violence yeah. that we put onto ourselves. Exactly. Yes. I, I heard that and I was like, yeah, he's right. Yeah. So I think I'd stick with flying here on Earth. Mm. Because I'd fly over some really cool forests and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so my mom told me about a Discovery Magazine article. She had read that asserted that learning another language makes you a better person. Yeah. And I wondered if you had um, a word or a couple of words or a phrase or, yeah, just another a word in another language that has deep import or deep resonance for you. You know, the thing about other languages is I have a terrible memory. So I think maybe the word hola, because it reminds me of a really beautiful time in my life. We went on a family holiday to Mexico Mm. and it was in 2016. And yeah, it was just, I kept on saying it for months and months afterwards. Hola. Yeah, like once I got back to New Zealand because it was just such a... Hola, chica. Yeah, it was just such a beautiful (laughs) time and that's what it reminds me of. Beautiful. Where did you go in Mexico? We went to the Yucatan Peninsula. (gasps) Yeah, so we went... Jealous. Yeah, we went all around. We drove like 3,000 kilometres. Two families, so like our family of five and then our friends who have two, who have one child as well. Wow. It was amazing. It was the cenotes, which are like in ground. They kind of like they don't have rivers, so they have these kind of like water holes, mm-hmm. kind of thing, oh, which are underground. Lacuna? Uh, no, no that's they're called else. cenotes. Cenotes. Okay. Yeah, and they're just beautiful, and the p- people were beautiful. The food was beautiful. It was just magic. I'd love to go back there. I have a feeling if I go, I'm not coming back. Yeah, I, I didn't want to come back. The Caribbean is like next level, you know. Better than below deck. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Hola. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, but I was actually really terrible. I'm actually really terrible at remembering languages, but I really should try. My stepdaughter has been learning Russian, which probably isn't the best thing to learn right now. <laughs> no, in the past. It's also really hard. It's really hard. She's only got one word, which is net, which is no. No. <laughs> Good one to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Ooh, love it. Well, we're approaching the end of the episode, and I would be remiss if I didn't voice a bit of gratitude. Gratitude for this earth, this beautiful blue and green Fenua that houses us, nourishes your business and your spirit and your heart and your family. Gratitude for the plants and the energy that they give to you and to us. Grateful for the, the ancestors that whisper in our ear just beyond that veil and the gratitude that I have for this moment to be able to share this time with you is just huge. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. Mm, thank you. Like I really <laughs> appreciate it. It's been really fun. Good. 
Wonderful. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us on this little tiki tour around plants and all the magical things that we've done. And thank you to Bjorn, my wonderful producer that packages up this, this little delicious experiment of mine. Stay tuned to hear who will be next on the Rudola podcast. Kakitia no aho iakoto. Bye.